0: Have no fear of missing out. The shows about FOMO, your host is Brian I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, I Social Fans. Welcome back to another episode of the FOMO Fans Podcast. And today we're gonna to move away from business a little bit. Well, I wouldn't say move away from business because I talk business all day, every day, pretty much. Um, but I'm gonna talk about something that has been a a passion of mine for a long time. And of course, if you're listening to this episode, you of course read the title. And I played professional poker. Um, for a good while, I you know I am the pager wearing millennial, which just means I was born in 1981. I graduated from college in 2003, and that was kind of like the boom of uh, online poker. It was a boom of the World Series of Poker that many of us have seen on ESPN. Uh, I've had the pleasure and luxury to actually play uh, in the World Series of Poker uh, multiple years. Um, I've also, uh, interestingly enough, I've spent more Time studying poker than I have anything else, including marketing, including social media, including technology, um, and uh, and I wanted to kind of share. You know, it, it was interesting. I was actually explaining this to Jennifer uh, last night, and interestingly enough, for me, poker was all about what I did offline. Now, Like weirdly enough, I am a millennial. I am a digital native, but weirdly enough, for me, the the online world of poker was much more of a math game than it was a people game. And I'm a people person. I like to read people. I like to um, understand the human condition. I like to put people off their game. Um, More often than not, I like to play not with my cards, but what, what I believe someone else has. And so, as the online boom exploded from poker, um, weirdly enough, I was uh, I because of my age, because I wore a backwards hat, because I wore sunglasses. Um, I was assumed that I would be good at online poker, um, but interestingly enough, I was not. Online poker uh, was something that I had to take, spend a lot more time working on. But offline poker is kind of what I I, I enjoyed. I was a big tournament player. Um, I was sponsored for a good while. Uh, I got to, uh, you know, I took some very, uh, very nice six-figure prizes down um, as a professional poker player. Uh, I got to travel the world. I got to play in different countries. Um, But what I wanted to kind of break this down to and what I want to talk about is, interestingly enough, the skills I learned in round poker both playing in a casino and online, are very similar to what I do when I'm on stage speaking or I'm at a networking event or what I do online in in Facebook groups or when I'm engaging with people. And, and I kind of want to break this down because it's very interesting because I, I went to a, um, academy or I went to a school that was for, um, studying nonverbal cues. And the, the, the course was put on by a gentleman's name was Joe Navarro. Uh, Joe Navarro is a retired FBI agent. Um, he's written some books around, uh, poker, poker tells and understanding how to read people, understanding how all those, all those things, uh, came to, came together. And, so, for me, I, I got to study this. And what I realized quickly when it came to poker was the, one of the reasons I love poker, and this is Texas Hold'em for the most part, the part of the reasons I love Texas Hold'em, and I, and I think of myself not as a gambler rather I think of myself as as a strategic poker player, is that gambling, you're playing against the housed. And poker, you're playing against the other people that are at the table. And part of the reason I love poker is that I believe anyone can win in any different way possible, right? You could just be beginner's luck. You could be a math person and play percentages. You could be a people person and play that way. You could be the drunk guy or girl that happens to be good at that. Um, You could be the person that has your certain favorite quote-unquote, hand that you know wins every time. And my favorite hand was jack nine, uh, mainly because I'm a big fan of the band OAR. And in the in the, the, the music song, uh, Crazy Game of Poker, he says, I got three jacks and a pair of nines. So jack nine became my favorite hand. But what I'm trying to explain there is that at a poker table, you're sitting with 10 people for the most part, and everybody's given two cards. You're playing off the same sample cards in the middle of the of the table, and interestingly enough, every person at that table has the ability to win the hand, right? Every single person, when they start the hand, no matter what two cards they get, they have the ability to win that hand, and they also have the opportunity to lever to play that hand any way they want. Interestingly enough, in the entrepreneur digital marketing world that we're living in right now. We all have the opportunity to play our hands, build our business, and do what we do in our own way. I don't think there is a one-cut way of being a marketer or one-cut way of being an entrepreneur. Uh, you can do it like Gary Vaynerchuk or Grant Cardone, or you can, you know, you can follow any of those. You, know, you can do the Russell Branson, whatever, you know, Warren Buffett. But I believe everyone kind of has their own approach to doing it. The other piece that I thought is a very interesting segue in this whole thing, and, and don't worry, I'm going to give you guys some tactical things um, throughout the podcast of things that you guys can do to get better with you know, honing, leveraging your poker skills in the business world as well as on social media. But the other piece that I think is really interesting in this is that as a poker player, especially when you're offline at a casino, your individuality, who you are as an individual, what you say, how you pick up your cards, how you sit in your seat, how you stack your chips, how you muck your cards, um, the, the, how you take breaths, the clothing that you wear, all of that is part of your persona of how you represent yourself in, in, at, at the poker table, right? And you can use all of that to your advantage. And I can tell you, I went as far as I brought multiple different sports jerseys to the casino, because I would leverage what I was wearing at a poker table to throw people off or to win people over at the table. For example, if I went to the casino near my house in Washington DC, I would wear a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey. Because I know that a lot of people that are at that, in that area are big Washington Capitals fans and they hate the Pittsburgh Penguins. So when we sit down at the table and they see me wearing a Penguins jersey, they immediately are like, Oh God, I hate that guy. Or they're immediately judging me. Now, funny enough, when it comes to poker, if I know that someone's already judging me or wants to go after me, I can use that in one of my banks of tells. And so what I want to talk to a little bit about that is, you know, I went to this FBI academy, and I and I and I'm gonna bring this all back into everyone having individuality. But um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that when you're learning to read people, you can understand people's tells, right? How people breathe, how they how they position their feet, um, how they position their hands, maybe their eyes. You know, their eyes is one that we always think about. But weirdly enough, it's not about one tell being perfect for everyone and And it's you know I was the person that wore sunglasses uh, at the poker table, so that was a, that was a thing for me. but um what what you have to do is you have to build up your your knowledge base of an individual, and you have to build your tells, and what that means is you need to look at someone and say, okay, they took a deep breath or they moved themselves in their seat. And then when they show their cards, if they had a good hand, you can now remember, okay, when they have a good hand, they shuffle their butt to the back of their seat, right? And then you watch them play a couple more hands and maybe the next time they they throw over a hand and they had another good hand, but they didn't move back in their seat, but they kept fidgeting with their goatee, right? So you build up a, a repertoire, you build up this catalog of information about certain players. And one of the skills that I've been very blessed with is the ability to multitask. And I believe that's partially because of my ADHD, but it's it kind of goes into who I am. And so when I'm doing something, like I'm recording this podcast right now, right now I'm recording a podcast on video. I have my notes up of what I want to talk about. I'm, reco- I'm broadcasting it live on Periscope. I'm reading the comments of people that are coming in live on the comments. At the same time, I'm tracking how much time I have. I'm tracking what I'm talking about. Out in my in my presentation, right, and this is one of those. This is kind of one of those skills that I was able to um, embrace. And so, at the poker table, one of the things that you you need to do, or one of the things that great poker players do when it comes to reading people, is that. You don't try to beat the table, and honestly, um, I have zero ego. I have zero ego in business. I have zero ego as a, as a professional speaker. I just have no ego. For me, ego is, is just, um, it, to me, that is misplaced uh, passion, and it's, it's, it's usually making up for something else, and so if I know a couple people at the poker table are better than me or that I feel they're just as good as me, guess what I do? I avoid them, and I, you know, and we've heard the old adage: uh, if you don't spot the fish at the table, you're probably the fish, right? You're probably the bad person at the table. But usually, what I do is I would pick out a couple people at the table, and they would be the ones that I would track the most, right? I would pay attention to them the most, right? And it's definitely something that you that I would leverage, and I think in business and in life. We can always try to chase the big client. We can always try to be like the, the the best people in our industry. Or sometimes we can just be smart and pick off the low-hanging fruit and, and do the things that other people aren't willing to do and really prioritize strategic and optimize our strategies. But when you're reading people, It really helps to try not to read the entire table, right? And remember, this is coming from a guy, you know, I claim to be the anti-niche or the no-niche person, right? I love to talk about everything and anything. But for me, when I'm playing poker, I zero in on a couple people, but I also am playing the long game. I can tell you when I was playing full time professionally, majority of the time I would spend between 12 hours and 18 hours straight at the poker table. Right, 12 hours to 18 hours at the poker table because I understood that it was a long game. I understood I needed to build up my reputation with the people at the table. I needed to get comfortable. I needed to to zone in. And business is much like that as well, right? We have to. We have to play the long game. It's not about winning over a customer today. It's not about getting those followers on social media. It's about building trust and rapport and being authentic over a long period of time. But interestingly enough, you know, I went to this academy and it helped me learn tells of people. And and here's one of the tells that I use every single day when I see people in person. The number one tell that I focus on are people's feet. Your feet actually give away more about your body language, more about what you're feeling, more about what you're thinking than anything else. One of the main reasons for that is it's furthest from our heart and furthest from our brain. And so it's the place we last try to control, right? When you're at a poker table, everyone tries to not tap their hands, right? And then everyone tries to not breathe deeply. And we wear sunglasses to protect our eyes. And these are all obvious things, right? But funny enough, Your feet, even how you position your feet. Like if you come up and talk to me at an event, and as you come up and talk to me, one of the first things I'm going to look at, I'm going to shake your hand, I'm going to remember your name, I'm going to look you in your eyes, and the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at your feet and how you've positioned yourself in the conversation. Now, remember, as I said to start off this podcast, it's not just about one tell. If, if someone has their right foot in front of them, not their left, it means that they're angry. No, it's none of that. That's all BS, right? It's about building up the, the knowledge base. And so what I like to do is I like to say, okay, I see that they're positioned in kind of a, a very open stance with their weight on their, on their left foot. And then what I'm looking for is as I'm talking to them or as they're talking to me, how do they shift their body weight differently, right? And you'll notice people that pull away, you'll see people that will shuffle their feet backwards. That's giving you the idea that they're done with the conversation. If I see someone doing that in a networking event, I stop being long-winded because let's face it, I'm very long-winded, and I try to uh, summarize the conversation. I thank them for hanging out, and usually they're like, "Oh wow, well, I appreciate that person for not wasting my time," right? Or you, I, I watch somebody, and if they're slowly creeping in, getting closer to me, it's it's not because they're uh, you know um, because they want to get in my bubble. It's because they're they're so interested, and they want more, and they want to captivate my time and my space. And, and I see a couple people here watching. Uh, the recording of this on your live broadcast. It's funny, when I tell this story, everyone's really worried about me reading them. And here's the, here's the thing, if you've met me in person, I can guarantee I've read you. I can guarantee I've built up a persona of who you are based on how you stand, what you say, um, the, the, your voice, your language that you use. And I have a couple of good friends that do books on this and speak on this. Um, one of the books that I recommend you guys checking out is called Truth Plane. Uh, truth Plane by um, a fellow speaker named Mark. Uh, Mark had a, it's a great book about understanding uh, your truth plane and, and how you move your hands and how you, how you structure yourself really does matter in sales and in marketing But all of this coming together. So I I went to this camp. I learned about this, right? I I started to be able to understand. I use it at networking events. Um, I use it even more when I'm on stage. When I'm on stage, this is how I build. If you guys listened to the last episode, I gave you my rule of five, right? My rule of five for how I build out every one of my presentations. But interestingly enough, in my rule of five, and I didn't really explain this on the last episode, every single one of my five rules... When I get to one of my key rules in my presentation, I have a two-minute story to back up that rule, or I have a five-minute story to back up that rule. And the way I decide of that is I usually pick out three people in the audience, usually someone on the right, usually someone on the left, and then someone that I think immediately as I get on stage, they're either judging me, they don't like me, or they're uncomfortable, or they're looking at their their watch, whatever Maybe I pick somebody that I think um, has a negative reaction to me, and 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 just so you guys know this, I um I get a lot of negative reactions, and it's kind of something I like doing. Um, I'm wearing a backwards hat. I'm the millennial guy. I talk really fast. I'm wearing crazy shoes, and people are like, "Oh God, that silly millennial guy." Uh, we're gonna hear another millennial talk about millennials. Uh, And by the end of it, they're like, man, I really enjoy that. And I like to bring people on that journey, which, funny enough, is the same thing I do at a poker table. I wear that Pittsburgh Penguins jersey to throw people off to have people hate me. But eventually, what I'm doing is I'm using that to my advantage. And so I'm using that from the audience perspective to my advantage. And so when I get to one of those rules of five... Depending on those three people, I will look at those three people and I will read their language. How has their language shifted since I started talking about this certain takeaway? Have they moved forward in their chair? Have they moved backwards in their chair? Are they taking pictures with their phone? Have they taken out their laptop? Are they slouching off? Whatever that may be. And what my decision is, is is a simple one. I decide at that moment, based on my read of the audience, Are are they grasping this this topic that I'm talking about? Did it shock them or did it provide them a lot of value? Or do they want more? If they want more, I use the five-minute story or roughly five. I I use the longer story to support that one of that Uh, that thought one of those key points if I feel like man they're really into it they got that they're nodding their head they're like yes Brian keep going keep going then I go with a much shorter story sometimes when I feel like I got the audience right on my side and they're really into it I don't even go to a story I use a date a piece of data to back up my my statement and I jump to the next one because more often than not one of the five things that I'm going to talk about, the audience is going to be confused by or want more of, and I'll go into a longer I'll, into a longer story. And so that's what I'm doing when I'm on stage. I'm reading that audience for all of those things that are going on. But as I started off this podcast, one of the things I told you guys is that this is a skill that you can use Offline as well as online, because for many of you, you're like, "Wait a second, Brian, this is all great, but if I'm not a keynote speaker, I'm not going to networking events. What the hell are you talking about?" And here's here's where I'm going to segue this into the digital world. I learned a lot about nonverbal cues. I learned about body language. I learned about you know how we give away information. And then interestingly enough, as I became better at online poker, as I played more poker online on Full Tilt and Poker Stars. One of the things that I started to to be better at was to understand betting patterns, how someone bet on a hand, how much money they raised, what was the percentage they raised and and how that that told things. I also started to track where people were uh, in relative to the blind on the table. And I also used it on how many times people folded quickly versus didn't fold uh, and took the entire 30 seconds to fold. And so one of the things that I do, and I use this today, and it's why I'm, um, I'm, I'm including it, that's why I'm doing this topic in the podcast, is I use what people say and how, what people do and how they engage with me on online to build that same database and persona. So usually offline, I'm, t- I'm, I'm tracking their feet, I'm tracking their breathing, I'm tracking multiple hands that they're playing. Um, you know, when I'm doing a networking event, it's how they're reacting to me. But online, one of the things I like to track is saying, okay, how did that person engage with me this time? How did they engage with me previously? What was the end result of that engagement? And so let me explain that. So if someone sends me an email every six months saying, hey Brian, just checking in on you, how are you doing? Let's set up a phone call, right? We set up a phone call, we have some notes, and we say, you know what, let's circle back in a couple of weeks and we'll go back to doing something. And then I don't hear from them again. Okay, that's that's one, that's the that's the first reaction I have for somebody. If that same person emails me today and in their email says, Brian, I have this amazing opportunity for you. I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to tell you more about it. Let's jump on the phone call. I really want to tell you about it. One of the things that I do personally is I go, OK, let me look at their last email that they sent me. OK, in the last email, they didn't seem as excited. They didn't, But they also didn't give me FOMO. On the last email, they told me everything they wanted to talk about on the phone call. And then we had the phone call. This time, they're, they seem excited, but they didn't even tell me what the opportunity is that they have for me. And they really are stressing they want to have a phone call immediately. So how I start to track this is I start to say, okay, what does that mean? And so more than likely, how I'm immediately re- thinking of that is I'm guessing this person wants something from me right? So previously we had a call. It was a great collab, you know, uh, collaboration. This time all of a sudden they're quote unquote super excited about an opportunity. We know how those go. Um, and, and if you're listening who's, who sent me that email today, understand it's all good. We have a call schedule. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> um, but, one of, but so now I'm realizing they're holding back information and they're making an ask that is requiring something immediate of me. And so I'm tracking that. Now, I also do this in the digital space, right? If I have someone that retweets and shares my content all the time on Twitter, and all of a sudden they start commenting uh, on content of mine on LinkedIn, and I notice that they shared my podcast on Facebook, one of the things I like to do is I'm like, okay, I want to track that this person has, has now increased their interest in who I am, what I'm about, and now that's much more mature lead for me to have a conversation with, right? And so I actually do the same thing as I did at the poker table, the same thing I do on stage, is I read body language. The other part of this, remember what I said, I do, is I'm reading, I'm giving people one of you know one of my five key takeaways, and then I'm watching their reaction. So another thing I like to do is I like to push back. So that person that sent me the email today and was very you know, adamant of what they wanted to talk about and it had to be immediately, I, I, I replied back and said, so glad we, we were able to uh, connect. I, I was following you on Instagram recently. I saw a couple of things that you have in the works. I would love to jump on a phone call. Could you give me a little more context to what you want to talk about and feel free to use my calendar link um, to set up a phone call? Now the reason I give them I ask them a question as well as give them the link, is now I'm curious to see how they're going to respond to that email. Because it's now going to tell me how much weight I should put on that interaction. right? And I, and it sounds super geeky, but I do this stuff like in my head on a daily basis. But I also track some of it on a spreadsheet. So if an event that I want to speak at is someone that I'm tracking, I will track every interaction. Every time they like a tweet, every time they send me an email, every time they, they comment on something on LinkedIn, because these are all verbal, these are all things that they're giving me, right? They're giving me information. And this is the other piece of this that is super important. And at the poker table, people, the, the, the amateurs don't think about this at all. And when you're at the World Series of Poker, when I played at the World Series in Las Vegas, uh, when I won a couple of my big tournaments, this was one of the things that I used to my advantage more so than anything else is I would ask the people I'm playing poker with, I would ask them questions, or I would just spur up conversation. Most of the time, I try to keep the conversation very lighthearted. I like to be like, I like to give people a lot of background about me, and not ask a lot of background about them because then they don't feel like I'm invading their privacy, and they feel like I'm really opening up to them. So they're like, "Oh my goodness, this person is, uh, is you know, it's so easy to get along with." And you know, I'm trying to make that rapport, be relatable to that person. I will even see what clothing they're wearing. If they're wearing a watch that I like, or if they pull out their iPhone, I'll say things like, "Hey, did you know this this app is one of my favorite apps on my iPhone?" And they're like, "No kidding, dude! Thanks so much for giving me an app." And they, of course, at the poker table are like, man, this guy's a nice guy. He just likes being on an iPhone. And what I'm, th- what I'm doing as a poker player is I'm, I'm, I'm putting some social equity in the bank. And so when this person has a chance to raise me a lot of money and trap me, they might think twice before doing it. Because like, oh, he's a nice guy. I'm not going to raise over top of him. I'll just call. I'll save him some money, right? These are things that you do. But one of the other things that I do that we can all leverage is you want to, every email, every interaction on Twitter, every video conversation I have, one of the things that I think everyone can leverage is studying and listening for what people aren't saying. Let me say that again studying and listening for what people aren't saying when they are interacting with you within an email within a within a, a tweet within a linkedin in message with a voicemail on your phone I don't know who leaves voicemails anymore uh, if you call my phone it actually tells you that I'm a millennial and I don't answer my I don't Read or listen to my voicemails, and that you must send me a text with what you want. Like, that's literally what my voicemail says. Uh, Yes, I'm that millennial. But you want to actually look into what they're not saying. So when someone sends me an email and they're asking me certain questions, when I look back at the other email, what I have to ask myself is, okay, did they answer the questions that I thought they were going to answer? And then how did they answer those questions? And then interestingly enough, what things did they not answer or which things did they elaborate on versus just give me a, a no BS answer? And now remember, this is the same as reading body language. There isn't a one-stop shop for everything. Like someone that just you know answers emails with one line answers doesn't mean that you can, but you, ha- you can build up this rapport. And so there's a mentor of mine that I, I really am uh, very lucky to have in my life. And I, I can read him like a book. When he sends me an email or he messages me on Facebook Messenger, I can read what his feelings are, what he, if he's asking me for something, if he's checking in for something, if he wants to help out. For me on something, if he's just bored, if his wife is out of town, I can, I can read all of that based on all of the years of correspondence, mainly by what he doesn't say, right? And I think this is something that, that a lot of people can, can really leverage. And this goes into everything, right? When you're, when you're connecting with somebody, and this is especially in sales, like I've been really getting better at negotiating and selling my business you know, value as a keynote speaker. It's something I've been studying, I've been working. Uh, there's a book that says uh, Know Exactly How to Sell. It's by Phil Jones. Uh, it's a book I highly recommend, highly, highly recommend. Uh, Phil Jones is also one of my mentors. Not the mentor I'm talking about now, but he's one of my mentors. And I've been working on sales. And funny enough for me, sales in the digital world, when I look at all of the interactions I have with people, it comes down to reading what they say, what they don't say, and then also what they kind of don't mean, right? And, and let me take this back to that online poker world. When you're when you're playing online poker, you don't see a person's face. You're not able to read their body language. I can't tell you if their feet are tapping. All I can see is betting patterns. I can see certain things. I can even see what avatar they pick. Uh, you know, And the avatar that they pick also usually gives away a little bit about who they are as a persona. Um, although professional players have learned that, like, they pick something that is the opposite of their persona, uh, and just like everything, like when you're really good at it, you give away fake tells um, to throw people off, right? And that, those are, those those things still exist in the business world today. But really, what I want to bring all this—the uh, reason I'm so passionate about talking about this—is I am better on stage. I am better at networking. I am better at connecting with people online. I do, I, I do not waste people's time or I try not to waste people's time um, through email or through messenger. And the reason that is is because I work really hard to study every interaction. And I think if you want to be really good at sales, you want to really be good at getting what you want, which let's face it, that's what poker is about. Poker is about figuring out what's the best chance for you to win the hand and getting the end result that you want, which means you're scooping the money your way. If you want to do that in the digital world, there's two things you must do. You must respect people's time and value that the the social equity that you've built up. And the second thing is you must communicate with them where they prefer to be communicated with. As I jokingly said, I hate the phone. I would much rather video message. I would much rather uh, email. I'd much rather send me a message on Facebook or WhatsApp. Um, but if I'm selling somebody, or if I'm one, if I want something from someone else, and they prefer the phone, you're damn right. I'm picking up the phone because we, that the more times that you win, you know communicate with where they want, the more likelihood of getting the answer that you desire. But on top of that. You know, I track actually in a spreadsheet uh, or in uh, the CRM tool Nimble, one of the things that I track is where does this person prefer to be communicated with? And at the poker table, I also track that when I'm at the table, I will say, okay, that person doesn't like to talk sports. That person was a little pissed off that I talked about the fact that I, you know, um, that I, you know, I vote on both sides of the line, Republican and Democrat. Or, ooh, when I told you that person that I just got back from Australia and I've been to 74 countries, that person rolled their eyes because they were like, oh God, shut up, stop bragging about yourself. I need to remember that so that whenever I'm in a hand with them, I can use that data to my advantage. And so, what I want to tell you guys is that it's super important. And I, and, I, and I really think we can all learn from this, especially as marketers. It's not just about personas that all millennials are buying this way and all Gen Xers are buying this way. That's all crap. Generational labeling is crap when it comes to marketing because not all millennials are the same, not all Gen Xers are the same, not all people born the same year, same month, same day are the same. The fact that we're using one variable to judge people to persona people is ridiculous. It makes me like furiously angry as you guys can tell. I'm like fired up just on that concept. But what you have to start doing is you have to start saying, okay, based on this person, right? And I think this is something that as an entrepreneur, I made this mistake early on, right? I tried to please everybody. I cared about everybody's opinion. That was like me going to the poker table and wanting to beat everybody at the table and trying to read everybody. Guess what happens when you try to read everybody? You end up reading nobody. You have no good read. You end up playing only your cards. More than likely, you go into three buy-ins. You go all in. You go home. And you get pissed off and can't figure out what happened. As an entrepreneur, as a marketer, what I had learned is I have to be more selective with who I focus on uh, studying who I focus on tracking but beyond that I have to look deep and I have to understand why people do things and how they do things and where they interact with me and when they interact with me and this is one of the things that I've been tracking a lot recently and I, and, and maybe you guys should start tracking this as well you know on video like when I do live video or I put my videos on LinkedIn you know I'm very bullish on LinkedIn video I do a, right now I'm doing a video a day on LinkedIn which is kind of crazy. But one of the stats that I like the most is what I call repeat viewership, which means in a, in a month's period, if someone comes back and watches multiples of my video, I think of that as a very mature lead. Usually if someone comments or shares my podcast three times in a month, I will reply to them asking them questions, checking on on how they're doing, because I realize that they spent that much time consuming my content, they must be finding that much value to me, it's worth me spending my time reaching out to them, versus someone that just watches one of my videos randomly, or someone that shares out my podcast randomly, that person you know could just have stumbled across it, you know, uh, anywhere else, you know, whatever, whatever that may be. And so I'm using all of that, you know, as I prioritize how I engage. But at the same time, it's also one of those things that allows me to test things out. And this is one of the things that I think we can all start tracking. When you look in your business with people that you connect with in the social media space, start tracking when someone makes an ask of you, or someone wants you to quote in a blog post, or someone wants to sell you their business services, track how they interact with you on messenger or direct message versus how they interact with you on email versus how they interact with you if they, they give you a phone call. And what I mean by that is, start tracking their demeanor, start tracking how they start the phone call, how they end the phone call, start, you know, even one of the things I like to track is when someone sends me a message on Facebook Messenger specifically, and I do a lot of business through Facebook Messenger, if someone says, hey, Brian, at the start of a Facebook message, It means to me that they don't remember the last time they messaged me, and they're afraid that I'm not going to remember who they were, so they're going to use that salutation at the beginning. Someone that is engaged with me frequently, someone that knows me very well, has no business putting any formalities in the front of anything, and can just blast me a message, right? So I I track that, and I say, ooh, that person is saying, hey, Brian, they're, they're being much more formal. They, they're, they're unsure of where they're at. They maybe have some angst in what they're about to message me with next, right? And so these are all things that we can use in our digital world. I mean, we have the data today. And if you are in business today and you are not leveraging the data, the tools, what people aren't saying, what people are saying... I believe you're missing out because I, I truly believe my success over the last 12, 18 months. A lot of it has to do with the fact that I am unapologetically myself. I am. I, I, I try very hard to be authentic in everything I'm doing, every business interaction I'm doing, every video I create, everything I do. I work very hard at allowing you guys to have a transparent window into who I am, but also being authentic. So that. that that's the same at the poker table, right? The more I was myself at the poker table, the more I was able to to um, you know focus on the other things, as well as the more I was able to kind of respond to the haters or uh, bob and weave, right? Like the most recent episode of the Just Try This podcast uh, that I home with uh, that I host with Amy is about the topic of pivoting, and I think pivoting is. One of the most underrated skills that you need to invest in and understand, one of those other underrated skills is this one right here. And that is being able to read people, read messages, read digital transactions. Uh, even one of the other things that I like to track, and, 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 I, and I, I know I'm getting geeky and I'm getting way down the list here, but you know, this is my podcast and you guys usually like this stuff, is I also like to track what time someone messages me. Do they message me in the morning? Do they message me in the afternoon? Do they message me after hours? Do they send me a text message versus they send me a message via uh, email, right? Or, or one of my favorites is if I'm texting with somebody or I'm Facebook messaging with somebody and then the next day they send me an email, as soon as I see that email, I don't even have to read the subject line, I can already decide what has changed, or I already have an opinion of what that why they emailed me versus continuing the conversation in Messenger, right? And sometimes I'll be wrong. Sometimes they just want to have somewhere that they can track. Sometimes they forgot that we were messaging. Sometimes they don't have their phone on them, and they're on their desktop, and they're like, oh, screw it. Rather than texting Brian, I'm just going to send him an email, right? Like Those are the variables you can't control, and this is not an exact science at all. But when I start tracking these things for my business, and, when, and I, so what I do is I, I stop caring about my peers in my industry, just stop caring. And you guys heard that on episode 95. I, I, I stopped caring about those that were my peers in my industry because you know what? Them liking my content, them commenting on my content, a majority of them aren't going to give me business. The peers that I knew that I could collaborate with and I wanted to work with, I included them. And I started tracking people that I wanted to do business with in the future. And I started tracking my existing clients. Let me say that again. I started tracking my existing clients. I believe too many of us marketers and entrepreneurs, when we want to start leveraging data, we start waiting for new customers to come in. Why the hell don't you use the de- the customers you already have? Last time I checked, they already decided to be your to, to hire you or buy your product. That's a good place to start when you're building your knowledge base of information about somebody. And so. I love poker. I love the ability that, you know, I am not a, a math guy. I, I eventually learned how um, to, you know, th- all of the the math behind poker. Uh, I've read more books on poker than I have anything else in my life because it was something I was really um, honed in. It was a skill, you know, and it's still something I love to do. Uh, I don't play poker as much at the moment. Uh, I kind of have gone all in as an entrepreneur. Uh, and interestingly, you know, one of the pride, pride moments for me is that I left professional poker um, up, I didn't leave because um, I lost all my money and went broke. I left because um, my second daughter was born at the time. And I just decided to prioritize that. And I, I made the simple, uh, you know, I made a simple uh, acknowledgement that I said, you know what? I can play poker when my daughters are older and when I'm not you know, hustling as an as a entrepreneur, and I just kind of put it off. And yes, I play a couple times a year, uh, but nothing as serious or as for the stakes that I was before. But all of this comes into this idea that says, what we need to do is we need to be ourselves. We need to leverage what someone says, what someone doesn't say. But we also have to leverage the things that we are really good at. What I used to get, what I used to, you know, struggle with from sales, from selling myself and my service, selling myself, I sound like I'm I'm in a different business. Um, When I'm selling myself, one of the things I struggled with was negotiating or coming from a place of power. And one of the things my friend Phil, who wrote that book, Phil Jones, said was that I need to, to get all of that information ahead of time via email. Therefore, when I got on the call, I was armed with all the data that I like to use at a poker table, all the data that I like to use when I'm meeting people offline. And so now I'm very, um, very aggressive in my email replies before I set up a phone call. I make sure to get all this data because it allows me to operate from a place of power, a place that I'm comfortable. And I think Depending on who you are, depending on how you like to interact, everyone is going gonna, is gonna to use this a little bit differently, but it's so important to be yourself and find out how you operate the best and then tap into that and lean into it. And for me, my ability to read people, my ability to track things in my brain, I wasn't great at taking tests. I wasn't great at memorizing things. My grammar isn't amazing. One of the things I've always been good at is being a people person, remembering people's names, re- tracking people that I like, remembering experiences and moments. And those of you that are gonna meet me at events, I'm going to, I'm speaking at six events over the next three weeks. If you come and meet me, more than likely when we interact, I've either done my research, by Googling your name or looking up your name on LinkedIn, or I remember our last interaction on social media. And I have lots of interactions on social media, but I, I try very hard to prioritize that. I try very hard to spend a lot of time consuming people's content because that's what works for me. And so I guess that's how I'll wrap this up. Um, you know, if we ever want to play poker with me, I would love to play poker when I'm in your town. Uh, if you have a, a poker game, uh, No Limit Hold'em is my game. I play cash or uh, tournament, but I also play Omaha. I like to play high-low. I like to play a little bit of limit poker. Um, I've had a lot of fun. As I said, my favorite hand was Jack 9. Uh, is Jack 9 is my favorite hand. I play that very aggressively. Uh, and then last but not least, I'll give you guys, leave this, you know, for me, I play poker um, much like I live my life. I, I enjoy the chaos. I enjoy the unpredictability. I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not afraid to try new new tactics. But the thing I do more so than anything else, and I do it at the poker table, and I'm learning to do better at it in my business, is I go all in on myself. I believe in myself. I believe in in the research and the information I have, and I will take my own word. I will, I will, I will always bet on myself to succeed. And if we can do that in life, we can use our skills that are around us. I believe everyone can be successful in the world we're living in today. There's plenty of work to go around. Not everyone has to be your competition. I, I'm not jealous when someone else gets a speaking gig. Uh, usually, what I do is I write down that speaking gig, and I'm like, after the gig, I'm going to follow up and see if I can be the speaker the next year, right? I, I, and I think that's a that's a very important piece. And I and I also think it's. Really really important that when you build up social equity with people and you you put that social equity in the bank and what I mean by social equity is that you know you you're building up good favors so that when you ask for something people say yes right like right now one of my pet peeves and this is a massive pet peeve of mine at the moment is there are people that are let's quote unquote marketing famous that stopped engaging with me on a regular basis monthly or weekly or even yearly, but yet when they write a book or when they have something new coming out or they need a favor, they message me as if we're best friends and they, they, have, that, that, they have that bucket of social equity. Well, guess what? If you're not engaging, you're not providing, if, if this isn't a give it back and forth and this isn't a business, you're not paying me to do something, guess what? You don't have social equity in the bank and I don't think it's beneficial for me. I'm not going to do it. I don't care how famous you are. And so one of the things that I, I also work hard on is don't use your social equity for without thinking about it right respect people's time and if you're going to cash in your chips another poker reference make sure it's worthwhile this book that i'm trying to put out i'm working so damn hard on this book is going to be where I'm going to cash in all my chips. I'm going to go to every podcast that I've ever been on, every person I've ever done work for, every person, uh, every person in my community I've ever helped out, and I'm going to ask them for help. I'm promoting my book and buying copies of my book and, and, and getting it out there. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm stacking up that social equity right now. But I can tell you, there's certain things in my life right now. i launched a new podcast with Just Try This. There's plenty of things that I could, could use some of that social equity for, but, I try really hard to be strategic with how I use it and also respect people's time and not try to go back to the bank multiple times. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, you know, it's, it's my attempt to relate poker to business, to what we do offline, to what we do online. I will also tell you, being able to read people, what they say and what they don't say, it works well in relationships. It works well as a dad when I'm trying to raise my daughters. It works well with my parents. I'm very lucky to have amazing parents. And oftentimes, I just have to translate my dad's text messages to say, oh, my dad said sent a three-line text message. He must really be want me to do something, right? Versus my dad sending me like a four-paragraph thing. It's because he's bored and just wants to send me, right? Being able to, to use all this information and use it for, to, to better the situation or to increase or prioritize our time, it helps you in every aspect of your life. I challenge you to spend more time listening, learning, active listening, not listening for waiting for your turn to speak, but actively listening for what people say, what people don't say, so that you can provide the most value and prioritize your life. You will be amazed how well it works for you. My name is Brian Fanzo, host of the FOMO Fans Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is episode 97. We are getting close to that big 100. Got big news coming for you guys uh, on episode 100. I'm excited to uh, bring that happening. And I have a special, amazing guest that's going to be on my podcast for episode 100. So stay tuned to that. Make sure you guys subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate you. Make it a great day, my friends. Cheers and go all in.